0: This is Clutch Fans!
1: Oh, from the parking lot! The rockets are gonna Boston. in how sweet it is! And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans.
0: You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards.
1: Houston Rockets is unbeatable.
0: I'm ready to get on Clutch fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty.
1: Well, I am glad we are in this situation and not talking about a season wrap-up. The uh, Houston Rockets get a big Game 5 win, 124-103, to 103, a blowout win uh, over the L.A. Clippers here at the Toyota Center. Rockets have their backs to the wall, all kinds of stories in this one. I'm here with the great M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange. M.K., I appreciate, as always, you doing this. Uh, and I just want to say that I am so grateful, not just because of the obvious that the season's not over, but just grateful that the Rockets get a little bit of that taste uh, out of their mouths from what was just an ugly pair of games in LA. It's
0: not quite time to affix that bow on the 2014 <laughs> 2015 season. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I was a little bit concerned with just the negative momentum they developed in LA and, and thinking that the minute they hit any sort, sort of adversity tonight, they would just kind of fold their tit and go home. Um, I was surprised on a lot of fronts. I thought, um, not surprised by Dwight Howard's performance. He just kind of rounded back into form based on how he had played most of the postseason prior to Game 4. But I thought James Harden was much more assertive tonight. They clearly got the shooting they needed out of Trevor Ariza and Jason Terry. I was shocked, to be honest with you, that that Kevin McHale inserted Josh Smith into the starting lineup in order to change things up over Terrence Jones. A lot of things kind of went off, off, off the rails, so to speak, in a positive way for the team tonight. And it was a little bit stunning to be honest with you, but they responded, they rallied, they played very, very well for long stretches of time. Even when they struggled to kind of find their footing, I just thought they had a confidence tonight that they lacked while they were playing in L.A. And I don't know if that changes things in terms of how the entire series plays out, but I thought it was good for them to kind of get their feet back underneath them, as James said in the postgame person, to kind of find their swagger again because they had been really kind of missing for most of this series.
1: You know, I think there were a lot of nerves in the building, too. I think, uh, you know, had they lost this game, they would have been essentially swept by the Chris Paul Clippers. Uh, they wouldn't have had any win. I, I don't know what you would have uh, looked at in the offseason because you, the gap between you and the Clippers would have been so large that, that there would have been, uh, I would have said, significant changes to the to the role players on this team. I'm not saying one game changes that necessarily, but, hey, at least... You know, I think now when you look at this series overall, you can point to that game one and say, that's where you slipped up. I mean, you didn't come to play in that first game. Granted, you got blown out in L.A., but that's just L.A. taking care of home court. You came back, get, got this win, you won game two. It, it's that game one slip up that I think when looking back is the one that they're really going to regret. Yeah,
0: it certainly offers a unique big-picture perspective, a a macro view of what's going to happen next for this team because I think by and large you can make the argument that the Spurs are no longer going to be the dominant team in the Western Conference and it's going to be between the Warriors and the Clippers in terms of conference supremacy at this point moving forward for the next few years based on roster construction and how do the Rockets fit into that. You know, they've been on a slow climb up a hill trying to be a contender in the West and they they knocked on that door this season and do you do you stand pat with the, the current roster knowing you got swept in the regular season series by the Warriors you're potentially going to lose this series against the Clippers who just seem to be a better team than you at the stage you know what's next for you and I agree with you I think tonight advances that whole you know tumbling down that, that, that rabbit hole of what happens next now at least they put themselves in position to go to LA shift the, the pressure onto the Clippers and see what can happen. I think we talked about this pregame as we're having dinner. It's easy to kind of focus on .9 seconds and recognize that Damian Lillard hit a, a dagger shot to end the Rocket season last year. The fact of the matter is Chandler Parsons hit a shot right before that. And if the Rockets play any semblance of defense or just get better luck, they force a game seven back here at home. And we're talking about a completely different perspective of how we view this team, what happens in the offseason, by simply 9.9 seconds. If they win that game, I'm convinced they win game seven at home in that series. They advance to the second round, play the Spurs, who they played very well against last season. And you just don't know what happens from that point moving forward. So it's an interesting discussion to have what happens with this, this, this franchise moving forward because at this point, at best, they're the third-best team in the West. But they have an opportunity to change how we view them based on one game Thursday night in Los Angeles. And I thought tonight they took a step forward, at least to making that a reality that maybe it's not all over and maybe an entire change of what you do around James Harden and Dwight Howard is in the cards.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing to me that, you know, the whole regular season gets wiped out. Those few games in the playoffs, we we draw so many conclusions. And from those blowouts, I mean, you saw so many reactions. You know, McHale is an awful coach. Harden can't succeed in the playoffs. Dwight, whatever you want to say about Dwight you know the role players uh, were a, f- a fail by Daryl Morey and adding and they had a very good regular season I think people forget that they just I mean there's no doubt about it they it was an ugly ugly showing I thought uh, in those first four games uh, overall uh, just we, we can go down the list l- later on because obviously there's good news tonight after game five's win but uh there, there was really a failure on all fronts um Harden tonight um you mentioned him being much more assertive. He was sick. Mikhail mentioned he had you know, got received fluids earlier today, an uh, IV. I don't want to say the flu game and go and go that far, but he, uh, with you know, their backs to the wall, showed some leadership playing here, sick and uh, had a very good game. It was interesting hearing him after the game keep saying
0: I'm all right that he would cough, and you could <laughs> tell like his his eyes, his face, his voice. He clearly isn't 100%. Yet I thought he took it upon himself to force the issue a little bit more. And and look, I understand there's going to be a debate about this moving forward. I'm not making a comparison before anybody goes crazy between him and LeBron James. But I thought for a long stretch of time, what, what ate at LeBron James's credibility in the postseason was his willingness to get other players involved in critical moments of the game. To trust his teammates, maybe to to his detriment in terms of his legacy, mm-hmm. time and time again, and I think that's just kind of how James Harden is cut as a player. He's not going to force shots for the sake of forcing shots. If guys are open, he thinks they have a better shot. He's going to give them the shot. And I thought tonight, just barely, he took he took it upon himself to take some shots that may not have been always there early in the season or earlier in the series or at least to put himself in position just to be a little bit more aggressive and pay dividends. He got still got the 10 assists, but he got 26 points on 20 shot attempts. He got to the line a few times, not quite as many times as he would typically like. I, I just thought that as much as we talked about, and he used the word timid in the post-game press conference, that the entire team had kind of been timid in, in, in large stretches during the series. He was not timid tonight. He was very aggressive, very assertive. And I thought the rest of the team followed suit. The only guy who I think has played with a great deal of aggression throughout this postseason, in particular this series, is Dwight Howard. Nothing changed from him tonight, but I thought other guys kind of got followed James Harden's lead and just really attacked the Clippers from start to finish.
1: His first career playoff triple-double, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, fantastic game for him. I, you know, i got to rain on the parade a little bit here, but just a, a few things that did concern me about this game. You know, obviously, we knew the Clipper shooters could not maintain at least we didn't think they could maintain what they've done through the first four games of the series they were shooting i think around 39 percent from three-point range fantastic percentage uh reddick was on fire austin rivers was playing out of his mind uh tonight those guys cooled off considerably they were nine to 41 from the field when i say they that's barnes uh reddick rivers and crawford the four of those guys nine of 41 from the field four of 22 from three-point range How much is that his defense? How much of that was just those guys missing shots? The other thing is DeAndre Jordan was in foul trouble, much like Dwight Howard in Game 4. Plays 24 minutes. Of a 21-point rocket blowout, his plus-minus is zero. You know, how, how Those two things have to give you a little concern going into Game 6 that, hey, if DeAndre stays out of foul trouble, those clipper shooters right the ship a little bit, then uh, it could you know, switch the other way.
0: Maybe that's the one thing we've all kind of overlooked this entire series is DeAndre Jordan. And, and the yes. Game 2 victory was predicated on him sitting on the bench for long stretches of the time and the Rockets being aggressive and getting to the rim. Tonight, 64 paint points, yeah. really just attacking the rim with impunity with, with Jordan on the bench. And, and, and as great as... Like Griffin has been as outstanding as the shooting has been in spots, particularly from guys off the bench. Chris Paul being dynamic, you know, yada yada yada. Maybe it's all about Dwight um, DeAndre Jordan. If he plays, they play great defense. They win games. If he gets in foul trouble, he sits down, and the Clippers are sieve defensively on the interior. And I thought. Look, credit the Rockets for understanding what they needed to do once he went to the bench with his third foul in the first half. They just attacked, attacked, attacked the rim. They were very, you know, just stubborn in their insistence upon doing that, and that's how you got to go about doing it. And and I don't know how you go about making sure that happens again. Yeah, you can attack him, but he's very good at moving his feet and avoiding foul problems. He's done an excellent job defending Dwight Howard one-on-one because he's bigger than Dwight and as athletic as Dwight. I I think to an extent you're, you're getting some lucky calls or you're getting some calls where he maybe just gets caught flat-footed, but the notion that you can attack him and get him in foul trouble I think is, is, is right foot folly. but if you can get that done again that gives you the best opportunity to win look, Blake Griffin had a great game tonight I thought Chris Paul was dynamic and spurts Yet a shooting wasn't there, but that comes and goes. The key to me was Dwight was DeAndre Jordan being on the bench. And if you get him on the bench again, that opens up a possibility you can win game six in LA. Yeah,
1: I think you mentioned that. It's interesting. A lot of people look you know, hey, Dwight's the superstar, DeAndre's the role player. If you want to you know if people want to view it that way, DeAndre is, is absolutely incredible at doing what he does. Uh, being that rim protector, rebounder, uh, and as you mentioned, he's bigger than Dwight Howard. He's as athletic, if not, you know, more so. You know, Dwight's undersized a little bit going up against DeAndre, and so uh, it's that's a fantastic matchup, a fascinating matchup, I should say. Um, You know, Houston's defense has been getting absolutely tattooed, and rightfully so. I mean, it was it was poor in the Dallas series, especially once they went to to, uh, Dallas, um, and it's just been awful in this series. TNT had a field day. I thought it was a little bit disingenuous, to be honest, with Barkley. Not not surprising, but uh, you know, those guys just sort of talked about how earlier in the season they said you know the Rockets were not a good defensive team when you know the analytics and the numbers said they were I thought hey they never once mentioned the fact that Patrick Beverly's out that Donatus Motunis is out those guys are key players at the same time there's no excuse for what was you know happening Clippers shooting 50 percent from the field 39 percent from three averaging over 119 points a game in those first four games not sure what happened to the defense. You know, I think if, if there was ever a knock necessarily on McHale in that, it's that, you know, what happened to the defense, the schemes overall. Uh, but I, it's, it's hard to say how much of that tonight, you know, was the defense and, and or those guys missing shots. The
0: Clippers had nine 30-point quarters in the first four games of this series. They had zero tonight. And I think some of that is just closing out harder. I mean, and, and I know people kind of, you know, roll their eyes at this, but, you know, sometimes effort is the key. Just try harder play harder, give more of an effort, and I thought you saw that in spots tonight. Guys really closing out, guys fighting over screens, guys doing all the little things necessary to at least challenge as many shots as you could possibly challenge for the Clippers. And yes, they're not going to shoot 9 for 35 all the time. Some of that is just them missing, but I thought the energy, the effort, the vigor defensively was there for the Rockets, and it has to be there, particularly when you're short-handed. And to kind of circle back around to the point we were discussing earlier about roster construct, look, We don't know what this team would have been like in a postseason if Patrick Beverly and Donatus Motiunis were here and available. So let's not judge them too quickly. And I think that goes into what we're discussing about their defense. Modiunis is not a great defensive player, but he's sound. And Beverly obviously gives you a lot more weaponry defensively when he's playing as opposed to watching for the bench with his hand in the cast. So I think they've been terrible this postseason defensively, by and large. I thought the second half of Game 2 they played with great energy tonight. They played with great energy defensively from start to finish, and it was critical for them. They have to do that again at L.A. I don't know how you your, your interest or your energy wanes as much as it does with this team. They better find a way to make sure it starts from game from the opening tip on Thursday night and maintains it the course of the game because that's the only way they can win this series they have to defend with all their might as they did tonight.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm not going to say that the Rockets would have won this series had those guys been there, but you're talking about a defensive point guard, a power forward who might have been your second best scoring option in Donatus Mothius, and you know he's a seven footer, which is not something you really have at the power forward position. That's, I think, a key component in, in overall in the grand scheme of things there. But we did see an adjustment tonight. Mikhail uh, switched to starting Josh Smith. i got to be honest, I was a little surprised by yeah. that because Josh Smith, I thought he lost faith in Smith. You could look at Game 3 and Game 4, and Josh Smith made several mistakes in a row that just sparked massive clipper runs. Um, and we didn't even see him, I think, but a few minutes in a couple of games in the second half. Um, and so I was a little bit surprised by that. Uh, and, and Smith was shooting 27% in the first four games. Uh, Terrence Jones, I mean, it's, a layup attempt from Jones is like a choose-your-own-adventure book. You have no idea how it's going to end. It just does not look good right now. And, you know, he switches out, brings Jones off the bench. Kind of worked for both players tonight.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Him talking about getting a little bit more passing from the big um, of, of Smith in that starting lineup, I suppose to not having Jones then Getting Jones in position to score more with a second unit without Harden or Howard and or Howard on the on the floor with him, and it makes sense. And yeah, it, it was weird because Smith still wasn't great tonight. He still took some shots to where we're up there cringing, but nine points, seven rebounds, four assists only two turnovers. That's a solid performance for him. And getting 12 points off the bench from, from, from Jones, a couple key baskets in the third quarter where momentum seemed like it was kind of slipping away, I thought that was a plus for, for them too. Again, this gets back to them being a big short without Donatus Modunis and having to make do with what you have. And, and just switching things up, maybe putting Smith in a position where he could be a little bit more confident, play with some confidence to prove, to your point, that Mikhail hadn't lost faith in him. Maybe that's big. Look, look. if Mikhail's not going to be viewed as a great tactician, you better learn the psyche of his players. And I think we saw that in game two where he trusted Harden. Well, he sat Harden for all that time and then brought him back in and closed the game out. it's like the same thing where he decides to say, look, I trust you, Josh Smith. Get out there and play with these guys and make something positive happen. And by and large, it worked. And and you got to push buttons. You, you know, we talked about the desperation of Hacker George early in, in game four Well, tonight it was a desperate move to put Josh Smith in the starting lineup. It worked, and I think that's the only thing you can do at this point when you were down 3-1, now 3-2, play as many cards of desperation as possible and figure out what's going to work for you, and it worked for them tonight.
1: The pick-and-roll defense, uh, just in general, guarding Blake Griffin, he's a load. I mean, we were just talking about how much he's improved. It's amazing watching this guy hit uh, you know, 18-footers, turn around 8-foot hooks, and you're like, you know, when he came into the league, he was dunk or, or bust. Um, but, you know, last year, Rockets lose to Lillard and Aldridge. You know, a great point guard, a great power forward. They're struggling now in this series, backs to the wall. Great point guard, great power forward. You know, we don't, we're not into the offseason podcast yet, but that's something, you know, just like last season, they've got to figure out something at the point guard and the power forward spot. Um, you know, perhaps Demo is, is somebody they groom uh, overall, but, but point guard certainly needs a boost. Um, Clint Capella. Clint freaking Compella. I mean, you know, this guy comes in tonight 4-4 from the field. He's playing real minutes, not not garbage time minutes. Had the dunk over Spencer Hawes where, I mean, Matt Buller was sitting to our left tonight, and we were having a great time with Bull. And, I mean, he just exploded when that happened. And it, it, was, it was a great moment. I felt great for him. I think this guy's going to be a player. He's got a lot, a lot of progress to make. So I don't want to make it sound like this guy's just right on the, on the... The
0: cusp of greatness. Exactly.
1: Um, but, you know, you can see that this guy has a lot of potential. He has the length. He has the athleticism. Uh, he's got to pick up some skills and he's got to get stronger. But uh, around the basket and, and it, on that pick and roll, that guy's devastating. He's damn near balletic with his feet. I mean, when
0: you watch him move on a pick and roll as the roll man, he, he makes some interesting moves with his footwork and I think it, it, it makes him a weapon in that regard look there's not a lot he can do right now offensively because he's a limited and a young player but man he knows how to get to the basket and he knows how to slide and move his feet and get in position to score with these even with dunks and with layups I thought he had one in the second half where he just kind of laid the ball up at the rim because he did a great job of positioning himself after setting the screen so it, it's interesting I, I, I've got kind of, a Giving you a hard time about you know everybody being so fired up about any time he gets in the game and calling it Capella lust with a hashtag, but <laughs> you know it, he does some things that that you see signs of, of where he could become. And and I've said this before, an off season in the weight room with Dwight Howard is going to do him a world of good, and him maintaining that confidence in terms of how he can score around the basket, the touch on his shot, and the footwork, it, it lends itself to understanding he could be a valuable big man for the team moving forward and, and next year giving him quality minutes off the bench it's incumbent upon Mikhail to squeeze as much as he can possibly squeeze out of Capella, but understanding the law of diminishing returns at the same time, the more he plays, the more bad things could possibly happen. But I think he's done a great job with that on occasion. Tonight was a great night for both Capella and Mikhail in terms of how he used Capella.
1: You know, the Rockets took uh, Marcus Morris one pick before Kawhi Leonard. They took uh, Joey Dorsey two picks before DeAndre Jordan. Uh, it's probably painful to bring that up at this point, but they may have got it right with Clint Capella. I mean, that was uh, an interesting pick at the time i think most people viewed it as uh, hey they're just trying to push the cap off you know and, and get him to to come at a later date um but i this guy uh if you know i'm assuming they keep him but i think he's certainly got a lot of trade uh yeah. value on the market um or he's going to be the guy that they groom to eventually take dwight howard's spot over time or become that power forward next to him I I just I've been nothing but impressed with what he's done he's come a long way from you know the early time when he was getting time and and it was more of a joke whether he'd he'd be able to get a basket uh you know I here we go game six on Thursday in LA this is the the season for the Rockets Uh, they have shown nothing there they do have a win in LA this year Demo and Beverly both played big minutes in that game Demo did not shoot well in that game Um, But they held the Clippers to, I believe, 98 points in that game. They've not come anywhere close to that. So it's going to be, I mean, I want to hear your opinion on this. The defense has got to be what's got to step up in this game. Am I wrong? It has
0: to be as good as it's been for them in a long, long time. I think they have to play. As much as we talk about their shooting and their aggression and all these other factors, McHale's coaching and adjustments, their defense needs to be otherworldly for them to have a chance to extend the series to a game seven back here in Houston. Clearly, I don't think either one of us believes it's going to happen. I think the Clippers are playing with a reservoir of confidence that puts them in position to where they should win this game rather handily, not 25-33 points handily. But I just think they're the better team, and I think once they get back home and they recognize what's at stake, they're going to take care of their business. But the Rockets had a blueprint tonight. You defend with all your heart. And make it as hard on them as possible. And if they do that, it puts them in positions where at least maybe if it's close late, the Clippers recognize the the, the, the fear of, that. do we really want to go back to Houston for Game 7? Yeah. And I thought that's what happened last year. Again, I don't want to you know, harp on this, but the Rockets played very, very well in Game 6 at Portland last year. They just got beat by a dagger shot. I think they need to put themselves with the same sort of defensive might that they showed last year in Portland that, they, that they're going to do Thursday night. Play hard start to finish, play great defense as as best as you possibly can, and try to shift the onus on the Clippers to make plays down the stretch because, really, they haven't had to do that. They've won their three games pretty much in the third quarter of all three games. If you make it a fourth-quarter game on the road, you never know what can happen, and that has to be their M.O., come up with the same level of energy they had tonight and maintain it as long as possible and see if it could be a close game in the fourth quarter.
1: You know, after game four, I mean, everybody was, was dumping dirt on the Rockets. You know, Casket, this thing was over. One upset—that's all it's going to take here in Game Six. I agree with you. It's—it's it's unlikely the way, how it's gone in LA, but before those m- massive runs, those Austin Rivers just magical—you know—rides. Uh, Rockets were playing pretty well with them. It was competitive uh, before it, you know just became uh, you know the floodgates opened up. So if they can just pull off this one upset, they—they they suddenly become the favorites to win the series, which is shocking. Uh, and so. We'll see. It's going to come down to Thursday night. Uh, MK, I, I appreciate you doing this, man. And uh, hopefully we, we come back here and we have a Game 7 podcast and uh, we celebrate going to the Western Conference Finals. Am be, I
0: jumping ahead? It'll be interesting <laughs> to see if our next podcast is sitting in these seats or via Skype. But one way or the other, we're going to talk again. All right. Thanks again, bud. <laughs>